Hello, Masters in the Making. I'm your host, Mike Miller, and I'm going to welcome you to Simple Self Mastery. Simple Self Mastery is a self-help podcast dedicated to giving you the best in health, wealth, love, happiness, and a little peace of mind five days a week. I'm excited and honored to welcome our guest today, Harmony Quaker. Harmony Quaker is a counselor and author who empowers people to live their true self. Facilitating deep healing and relational connection, Harmony leads workshops and has a private practice in Boulder, Colorado and online. Her self-help memoir, Reveal, Embody Your True Self Beyond Trauma and Conditioning, will be released fall 2018. Harmony, I've given our listeners a peek at who you are, but is there anything you want to add to spice up that intro? Hmm. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Um, I think the thing that I would add is that um, for me, embodying the message I teach is really important. So all of the concepts that I offer are um, tried and true. I've learned them through my old, own blood, sweat, and tears. Sure. And then, you know, it's, I'm happy to have you. We could, I actually want to dive a little bit deeper into that. So I think you just, you just mentioned that the message you teach. What exactly is that message? Can you break it down for us? Absolutely. Um, so I believe that the moment that we're born, we're just newly embodied spirit. We're open to giving and receiving all the love this world has to offer. And then we learn through the interactions that we have with our primary caregivers, how to um, sort of manage ourselves in order to earn love or hide our truth in order to be acceptable. And we create misbeliefs about who we are and we start organizing ourselves around our conditioning. And the more that we believe that this is who we are, that our conditioned selves is actually us, the further we get pulled away from our true self, our essence, that part of us that's been with us from the moment of our conception. And so in my work with clients, the thing that my eye is continually on is how can we strip away the layers of the conditioned self and bring people back to the essence of who they are, where they feel empowered, strong in their vast wisdom. Right. And I love how you you kind of just said that. It's It sounds to me like very you word it very well and it's very simple but this i think like there's a lot of complexity behind that and so when you work with clients and kind of reversing that conditioning and breaking that down and getting to the true essence where do you start how does that process yeah. begin i love that question so the place where i start is i listen to what pulls the attention of somebody's mind so the words that come out of our mouths are so important in showing us where we feel limited, small, powerless, like we're the victim, where we're blaming other people, or where we're collapsing around our will. And so I'm just listening to the patterns of thoughts that are coming through people's mouths, and I know that that's not who they are. So I'm also, at the same time, watching um, their energetic system, really, to see how that impacts them. So how they feel in their bodies as they're talking about from their conditioned self. And so in a session, I pause a person in, in like I disrupt the loop. So we're looping through our conditioned mind. And the more we identify with the thoughts of our mind, the more we believe our loop. Right. And the work that I'm constantly doing is bringing people back to their home base, to their natural rhythm, to their natural state before the world had pulled them off themselves before they were mistuned by the experiences of life. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. And so, you know, for people listening who may be 
maybe this has just hit them now. It just occurred to them that this is possible because I know there's a lot of people that aren't aware of like this work that you do. Is there any way they can kind of listen to themselves and mm. catch themselves and disrupt their own patterns of, of conditioning? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the keys really is mindfulness meditation. So in, in really understanding that your thoughts aren't reality, your persona, your personality, the way you engage with the world isn't who you really are. So just that, that awareness, first and foremost, is empowering. And after that, stopping the stream, so no longer following it, and then turning your attention deeper into your heartbeat, your breath, which are the two things that keep you in this body, and slowing down and attuning to how you feel rather than believing what you think. And so I believe that it's not about what we do, but where we do it from that matters. So I can be doing my work in the world from my conditioned self. And personally, my conditioned self is um, what we call a helper type. So I could be a therapist and be helping and very much be in my conditioned persona, feeling responsible for the pain of the world, feeling like I need to quiet my truth to be acceptable and accommodating. Um, and I can be doing therapy from that small place, right? Or I can be doing it from my expansive self, the essence of who I am, and have a completely different result. Wow. If that makes yeah. Well, I mean, I want to kind of just dive into that because you mentioned kind of um, speaking from your truth. Now, mm -hmm. for, for our listeners, our masters in the making listening, you know, what exactly does that mean, your truth? Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. So the way that our brain is designed is to be really efficient. So we store prototypes and schemas in our brain that allow us to, for example, see a chair and know that it's a chair so we don't have to figure it out every time uh, we okay. want to sit down. So we also have a similar, a similar storage system for relationships and for how to be in the world. And so it's designed to keep us efficiently moving throughout relationships but as long as we're unconscious to what we're projecting out into the world from those schemas we're actually living from our old self and we're not present in our mature wise self and so what our projections are are the mind's attempt at um, mastering the past so if for example if i'm in an intimate relationship with somebody and I'm not seeing him for who he really is, and I'm projecting my past onto him, I'm organizing myself and our relationship in such a way where I'm treating him as if he might um, leave me, let's say, if, if I was abandoned by my dad. And it's not a conscious decision. I don't know that I'm doing it, but I'm trying to earn and keep connection by hiding my truth. And so if I don't know my projections and if I don't know my conditioning well enough, and if I don't know the mask of my true self, as I call it, then I'm not ever speaking to my truest truth. I'm speaking to my stories. I'm speaking on behalf of my conditioned self, on my learned values and beliefs. And I'm speaking on behalf of um, my unconscious motives, drives, and urges. So to speak on behalf of our truest truth and actually give voice to the deeper place within us, we have to be really aligned within ourselves. We have to be 
um, attuned to what we're feeling. We have to really know that, um, that the way we get pulled off our center isn't who we are. And once we're there, the language is very simple because when we're speaking our truth, um, it's very succinct. There's an essence quality to it that's inarguable. And we can own our stories about somebody else or about our projections without stating them as if they're reality. So there's more spaciousness and openness to our language and, and more opportunity for connection, less defenses come up. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Um, and, you know, like I was just thinking about that as you were saying that is really projecting our past onto someone else in our relationships. It, when we do that, does that almost become a self-fulfilling prophecy then? Like, do we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. It's like we, it's almost like we induce our, our greatest fear into our partner through our unconscious behavior. Absolutely. And no real connection can emerge from that, right? We're just entangled in this sure. unconscious dynamic trying to run from our own shadow. Wow. And so, you know, people are going, is there any way they can kind of, I don't know how to, how to put, how to word it properly, but objectively look at those around you and see how they're operating their own relationships? Is that like a thing that is, I don't want to say easy, but is it a way for us to kind of see that and glimpse that before we get into a relationship with somebody? Well, the first step in that is self-awareness. Gotcha. So I can't see you clearly if I'm identified with my projections and my conditioning. So I need to really know myself first and be curious about what's driving me. What am I feeling? What's the feeling under the feeling? What am I thinking? What's the motive beneath my thinking? What is my behavior? What is the shadow driving my behavior? For example, um, my conditioned self is actually very manipulative. And I think most of us have a conditioned self that's manipulative. And when I was afraid to claim that and own that, I was running from my shadow. I didn't want anybody to think I was manipulative, right? Like that's sure. something that I have shame around. But once I was able to see that I actually, in trying to earn love and quieting my truth and being accommodating, which is my conditioned self, the motives of that, then I'm collapsing around my will, giving my will over to you to try and keep connection. And that's manipulative because that comes from my own fear of being in my full expression and of speaking my truth because my, my conditioned self says, if you knew my truth, you wouldn't love me. So it's really a vulnerable thing for me to, to share with somebody when I feel hurt in our interactions or when I want something that is different from when they want you know, like I typically sure. say, oh, yeah, whatever you want, like just very accommodating. And so to me, the trick is doing the different thing, like knowing your conditioned self so well enough that you do the different thing to take your power back from it, which can be extremely uncomfortable. Absolutely. Well, you know, you know, out of discomfort, oftentimes comes the most profound and wonderful transformations. And, and so, you know, on this whole journey, Harmony, like, where did you, how did you get involved with this? Like, what was your start like? We talked about beginnings before, but for you, what was the beginning of this journey like for you? Well, I have an interesting history because I was raised in the personal growth movement. My parents are both healers. And so I started working on myself in really alternative ways at a young age. And I started transcendental meditation when I was six and did a fire walk when I was seven. Wow. Like, there was 
there were always opportunities for me to stretch myself. But even with years of meditation and I taught yoga for a long time and, you know, I went to graduate school for psychology, even after all of that, I still didn't understand the difference between my conditioned self and my true self. I knew my story well. I was the watcher of my thoughts. I was really well practiced in that. But I still actually believed that I needed to earn love that my conditioned values, let's just say around marriage or about what it means to be a woman or about who men are, um, all of that was still driving me and I was swimming in it so much that I couldn't even see the water that I was swimming in because it was just such a part of my inner makeup. What happened was um, my marriage became extremely painful. I was with my ex-husband for 11 years and we were so entangled in our projections and our conditioning and we couldn't see our way out. And we went to a couples counselor who introduced us to the Enneagram. Have you heard of the Enneagram? Mike? I have not. No. What is that? Okay. So the Enneagram is a psychological and spiritual framework for personality development. And there are nine types to the Enneagram. I happen to be a two helper. Um, but essentially what the Enneagram teaches us is that when we can really see our mask, like my two, my type two mask really clearly, we can start to develop practices that understand what our unconscious motives are. And it, it's a beautiful map for personality structure. And it changed my life because once I saw what I was doing, I could no longer not see it. Right. You know, it was just so obvious to me at that point. And I didn't want to contribute to my own pain any longer. So I started doing the work of doing the the truer thing for me, not the conditioned thing. Wow. And that's called the Enneagram? Enneagram. E-N-N-A-G-R-A-M. Awesome. And so, you know, Harney, with you know, the, first of all, thank you for sharing that story with us, that kind of beginning and how it really culminated into your own journey. Was, was that or was there a different moment where you had – a very large challenge that you faced on your journey? Like what was the one biggest challenge you faced or was it a culmination of things? Um, I've had tremendous amount of challenges that first contributed to my conditioning. But I think your question is about like a challenge that um, motivated me to, to do the work to stop living from that place. Is that your question? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it, it was, it really was the story that I just told about um, my marriage. It had become so painful. And I was a, I was a mother of two at that point. And um, I wanted, I wanted to be happy. And there was just nothing that I can do from that small disempowered place that felt satisfying and lit me up. And so um it, it really motivated me to do the work to do very simple, different things. Um, one example that I often give, cause it, cause it just sounds so, um, it sounds so rudimentary, but for me it was huge. I was going to a party and I didn't know anybody. And as a type two helper, I really want to get everybody to like me and I'm very expressive and extroverted and so I decided I was going to go to this party and I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to try and get people to like me, but I didn't know what to do instead because that was what I had always done. Yeah. And so instead 
I got there, I felt so awkward. You know, I felt like I was in junior high and nobody was going to ask me to dance. And um, I, I became a wallflower that night. And I just sat with the anxiety that arose within me by not following the impulse of my conditioned self. And I took my power back on that night in a very big way. And it was, it was sounds very simple, but it was huge for me. Wow. And then, you know, as you mentioned that, something that I can especially relate with is I work with this one uh, television company and every every month we have one week run of a show that we work on together. And I tried for so many months to, to make friends. I, you know, I, I want to make friends, have a community of people, kind of walk into work and be celebrated for being there. You know, I, I had this yeah. really idolization of that. And one of my friends told me something. He's like, you know what? You're there to work. Just do the work. Don't worry about making friends. And like you said, for you, it was so uncomfortable because I was so used to talking to people and, you know, being kind of the center of, of the conversation. And so I stopped doing that. And as hard as it was, sure enough, as a result, people started talking to me. I love it, that story. It was, it was so strange to me. Uh, <laughs> Because I was like, all right, I'm not going to try. I'm not even going to, I went even so far, and I won't necessarily recommend this to our listeners, but I didn't even say hi to anybody. I just walked mm-hmm. in, I smiled, did my job, and then sure enough, I'm being invited to events. People are coming up to me. It was so profound of, of a shift. So I can definitely relate to that story you just told. Well, um, I, I love it, Mike, because it actually, I have a similar story just in my private practice yeah. where when I was identified with my conditioned self, I really wanted my clients to like me. And so I wasn't saying the hard thing because I was afraid they wouldn't like me. And it really got in the way of our work together. And once I stopped trying to get my clients to like me, my practice blew up and like, you know, my work became incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like something simple like that getting in the way. Yeah, that's insane. Um, <laughs> and so Harmony, I want to transition a little bit here to what what I call the moment of mastery. And this is where you can share tips, resources, and insights directly to our listeners. Are you ready for this? Yes. Awesome. So for you, Harmony, what is one daily habit that contributes to your personal success? Oh, I love that question. One daily habit that contributes to my success is that the moment I open my eyes in the morning, I get clear on where I want to live from. And I say this same sentence every day, which is, please guide my actions and make clear the way. And that is my dedication to surrender to the flow of the universe rather than trying to control and make things happen. Awesome. And what is one simple mindset shift our listeners can apply to how they think about relationships? Mm. So one simple mindset shift that is really challenging but really essential to healthy relationships is anytime you find yourself thinking about your partner, wishing your partner was different, that they would do the different thing, realize that even though your thoughts are about that person, it is really about you. Like in couples counseling, when a couple comes in and they're complaining about one another, whoever is talking, that's who it is about even if it's about the other person. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So really taking ownership of your inner world, owning your story, realizing that your story about your partner is actually just a story. And 
if you can set that aside and open your mind to being curious about the other person while also being curious about yourself, you have a chance at real connection and deep intimacy. Awesome. And you know, I like that you mentioned that because it just brings to mind something that I tried the other day is, uh, you know, taking the time to observe how people are acting. You know, if you have someone who's angry with you, like you were saying about that, that kind of couples therapy example, it's like it's a reflection of the person complaining or victimizing themselves. They're the ones dealing with that problem. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's it's cool that really take time when someone's angry at you or upset and say, you know what, maybe it's me, but maybe it's also like a reflection of how they're feeling about themselves. So that's, I always thought that was a really cool shift. Yeah, um, well, it, and it's also the way we disempower ourselves is by like, if the other person changed, then I then this our relationship would be fine. Like That's how we disempower ourselves. When we understand our projections, we can see that everything that our partner is embodying that we don't like is a reflection of a part of us that we can't see, which is a very sophisticated way of looking at it. But it, to me, it seems very true every time. Right. And so, you know, one thing I want to just dive into real quick is we talked about we've talked about projections quite a bit. And so is there any way to necessarily how do we really work on those projections? I know we talked about kind of diving into the conditioning and looking at it that way. But what else can we do? Um, so whenever we're triggered by somebody else and by triggered, I mean, feeling anger or feeling hurt whenever we're triggered by somebody else, they, what their, their action or their way of being has triggered our own disowned part. So when we disenfranchise and disown parts of ourselves, like many of us disown our shadow, we don't want to admit that we have darkness inside of us, or like I was saying before, manipulation. When somebody else does something that triggers us, it's about getting really clear on where that lives in us. So an example of that would be, um, let's say you start dating somebody new and that person um, doesn't call back or doesn't text back efficiently enough. And I'm, somebody's hurt by that and triggered. This is an example I've heard many times. Well, so where in, in you, the person who's hurt, where in you are you thoughtless and careless? You know, where are you not being um, attentive to yourself even like where are you dropping yourself if you're feeling dropped by that person and this is actually essential in speaking our truth because when we abandon what's happening inside of us and when we stop being curious about ourselves we've actually dropped ourselves and then we expect other people to do it for us so when we're looking at the deeper cut of reality we can see that really there is no other Every person in our lives is just a reflection of us. And every interaction we have is our opportunity to go deeper into ourselves, to use our relationships as a training ground for our own awakening. Awesome. I love that example, too. That's such a relatable example. Oh, my gosh. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Harmony, what is one book you can recommend and why? I would recommend The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Rizzo and Hudson. Um, and the reason why I'd recommend it is because it has changed my life and it's changed the lives of every client that I work with. It's a really, um, well-written tried and true book to let you get, to support you in getting really clear on your conditioned self 
and what you look like in your healthiest expression versus your unhealthiest expression and how to get there, how to get to your healthy expression. Awesome. And finally, where is the best place our listeners can go to learn more about you and what you do? My website, harmonyquiker.com. Um, there's a lot of great resources on there, a lot of um, videos and downloadable PDFs for relational communication, emotional regulation, and natural healing. And um, yeah, and that's where I'm going to um, have the homepage for my book that's coming out in a few months. Amazing. Awesome. Thank, so thank you, Harmony. Masters in the Making. Go check out Harmony's site. Get ready for the book launch this fall. And check out simpleselfmastery.com. Type in Harmony's name in the search. It'll show you over to the show notes page of today's podcast for links, resources, timestamps, and all that fun stuff. Harmony, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with all of us here at Simple Self Mastery. You mastered the mic and shared a ton of value. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. If you enjoyed today's episode of Simple Self Mastery, please show your support by subscribing, leave a five-star rating, and a review. It is my honor and privilege to provide you with high-value, free content five days a week, and I'd be humbled by your support. Keep learning, keep listening, and keep working towards your own personal self-mastery. Thanks, and we'll catch you later.